Our gospel lesson, we'll try one more time, comes to us from the gospel of Mark. I invite you to stand in honor of the words of our risen Lord Jesus Christ as we hear from Mark chapter 10, verses 17 through 27. As Jesus was setting out on a journey, a man ran up and knelt before him and asked him, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good but God alone. You know the commandments, you shall not murder, you shall, commit, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, you shall not defraud, honor your father and mother. And the man said to Jesus, teacher, I have kept all these things since my youth. Jesus looking at him, loved him, and he said, you lack one thing, go sell what you own. Give the money to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. When he heard this, he was shocked and went away grieving, for he had many possessions. And then Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, How hard it will be for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples were perplexed at these words. But Jesus said to them again, Children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. And they were greatly astounded. And they said to one another, then who can be saved? And Jesus looked at them and said, for mortals, it is impossible. But not for God. For God, all things are possible. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. This is a very special Sunday in the life of our church. Special Sunday in the life of my family. And a special time for celebrating resurrection as we continue in our series on how to get to heaven without really trying. A reminder each and every week, that we are saved not by our own efforts, but by the grace, the gift of God. Last week we spoke about those good gifts, those gifts that come to us unlooked for and that cause us to turn around and go in a new direction, to repent in the biblical word and to fix our eyes on Jesus. And these confirmants come to do just that, to turn from sin and turn toward Jesus to do that in the company of the church. And I'd like to say a little word about what comes next, about the gift of assurance. Would you pray with me? Father, whether because of my words or in spite of them, may your word be spoken this morning. Whether we come with willing ears or stubborn ones, help us to hear. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. Can I tell y'all my very favorite lie in the entire world? It's a lie that is so attractive and so believable that I fall for it over and over again. It's the kind of lie that people write epic poems and movies about. And in fact, one of my very favorite movies 
was written about this lie. It's built entirely around this lie. And I know the lie is not true. But I'll admit I cannot help watching whenever the movie comes on. Some of y'all here, probably not y'all, will know the movie, the one I love so much. It's called Saving Private Ryan. It's set in World War II. It's about a group of soldiers who take on an impossible mission. Seven men are set out into some of the most dangerous territory on the Western Front, and they are sent to rescue just one man, a guy named James Francis Ryan. And I hope you'll forgive me for spoiling it. The movie's been out almost 30 years. I'll spoil it a little bit by telling you that our team of seven adventurers, soldiers, brave men, they find Private Ryan. And they lose some of their men in the trying. And the leader of the men is fatally wounded just at the moment they rescue Private James Francis Ryan. And as their leader is slowly dying, he pulls Private Ryan close and he says his last living words to Private James Francis Ryan. He says, earn this. And the movie ends by flashing forward to 50 years later. Those words still ringing in our ears, earn this. The leader's been telling Private Ryan to live a good life. He's asking Ryan to justify all that has been sacrificed for him. He's telling Ryan what to do with, his rest, with the rest of his life. Do something that makes it all worth it. Earn this, he says. And then we find ourselves 50 years later in a cemetery on, in Normandy. The much older Private Ryan is standing at the grave of the man who died for him and he turns to his wife and he sounds desperate as he asks her, tell me I've led a good life. Tell me I'm a good man. And she says, you are. And that is the point in the film when I just lose it every single time because it's an incredible story. And it's a reminder to me of how much of my life is owed to the sacrifices of others. And I'd like to believe that one day I can do something to pay back or pay forward everything I owe. To prove that it was all worth it, I would like to justify my existence. I would love to believe I can earn it. Whatever it is. But I can't. Today's your confirmation day. It's a day when you choose to claim the gift of salvation that God has had you from the very beginning. And I hope you will excuse the rest of us. We're a little excited. We are proud of you. We love you. And we're a little proud of ourselves, by the way. Because if I'm honest, it says something good about the rest of us. If we are the sort of church that you would want to be a part of, sort of church that has people like you in it, then we must be doing something right. And after all the time and all the conversations that you have had and all the prayer and the thoughtfulness and the questions and the answers that you have brought to this moment, it would be entirely natural for each of you to ask yourselves, what shall I do next? That's what a man wanted to know 
when he came running up to Jesus, falling to his ground, to the ground before him in today's gospel, he wanted to know, is there anything more I should do to live a good life? The man is almost desperate when he asks that question. Can you tell me I'm a good man? He pleads with Jesus. The Bible tells us that he came running to Jesus, that he fell to his knees, and he said, good teacher, what do I need to do to be worthy of eternal life? How can I earn it? How can I show that I really mean it, that I'm worth it? And Jesus gives him an answer. Jesus tells him some stuff that's good advice for you. First, don't kill people. Second, keep your promises. Don't steal, don't lie, and honor your parents. That's a pretty decent place for you all to start if you'd like to be a good person. But as soon as Jesus says that, the man responds. He says, but Lord, I have done all these things. I have kept these commandments ever since I was in the sixth grade. And here's the thing. This guy, he's probably telling the truth. We have no reason to believe otherwise. Three gospels tell us this story. All of them seem to think he's a pretty good guy. There's nothing in the story that suggests that the rich man who fell on the ground before Jesus was lying or exaggerating or just bragging. The Bible tells us that when the man said, I have done all that, Jesus looked at him and loved him. Jesus' heart went out to him. Jesus loved him. But then you heard how the story ends, I bet. The man walks away. And when it's done, the disciples who watch the scene are astonished. They wonder, who could possibly be good enough if not this guy? This guy did all the right things. He wanted to be good. He was good at being good. And the disciples ask, who then can be saved? And maybe y'all think that the problem is that the rich young man just wasn't good enough. That he didn't want it enough. That he wasn't willing to sacrifice enough. That he wasn't willing to earn it. But I think he was asking the wrong question. He's the only person in all the scriptures who ever asked Jesus, what do I have to do to inherit eternal life? And he walked away disappointed. Seems like he's asking the question all the rest of us want to ask. What do I have to do, God? What must I do to inherit eternal life? The one person who asked the question we'd all like to ask had his story end in disaster. And so today on your confirmation day, if I could give you any gift in the world, I would pray that you never ask yourself again, am I good enough? Have I done enough? Is there anything more I have to do? And in place of those kinds of questions, I'd like to give you three more that I think are more important. They are the sorts of questions that I cannot help thinking if this rich young man had asked these questions, the story might have ended differently. He might not have been so desperate when it was over. There are three questions that will set you free from the burden of being good enough and of doing enough. The first question is, who is Jesus? 
And the second is, is he good enough? And the third question that I wish that rich young man had asked is, who am I? Because I cannot help but think that if he had asked those three questions, any of them really, everything might have been different. I wish he'd asked Jesus, who are you? Because it seems like Jesus wanted him to ask that question too. He runs up and he assumes he already knows. The man falls at Jesus' feet and he says, good teacher. The young man was thinking, you're a good person, Jesus. Maybe you can teach me how to be a good person. Maybe I can compare myself to you. If I measure up, then I'm good. And if I don't, then maybe I can learn. Maybe you do that sometimes. Maybe you compare yourself to other people. See if maybe you're good enough. Maybe you compare grades, trophies, backpacks. Maybe you compare security, confidence, kids. I don't know what it is you compare yourself to. But here's what I do know, that if that young man had asked Jesus, who are you? And if he'd wanted to know the answer to that question, he would have figured out very quickly that there is no comparison. He would have realized there's no one quite like Jesus. He's not just a good person. He is a savior. He is the one who does for us what we could never do for ourselves and no one could do for themselves. He is the son of God. And when you meet God, you stop comparing because the differences between us don't amount to a hill of beans compared to the glory and the wonder of who God is and compared to his creation. You can't compare God to anything, so you don't have to compare yourself to anyone. You can give up on trying to be worthy of him. You can give up on trying to be good enough, and you can just be amazed that the God who made the universe knows your name. And he loves you. You ever had that special thrill that comes when someone who seems important to you knows your name and you didn't even realize it? They call you by name and you feel special. But when you know who Jesus is and you realize he knows you and he loves you, you'll never worry about being good enough again. I wish that young man had known who Jesus really was. And I hope every single one of us will ask ourselves that every day. Who are you, Jesus? So we can keep remembering who saves us. It's a great question. But don't let it keep you from asking the second one either. Rather than asking if you're good enough, I hope you will ask, is he good enough? Because if you ask, am I good enough, you will never, ever be satisfied. There will always be someone or something or some experience that seems like it could be even better. You'll never know the answer of what actually makes someone or something good. You will never know. You will find yourself desperate like that man on the ground saying, what does it mean? What more do I have to do to be good? You'll never know the answer or know what might make you good enough. But there is a very simple answer if you will simply ask, is Jesus good enough? Yes, he is. He is good enough. He has done enough. 
He has done everything that you need. He has lived and he has died and he has sacrificed himself for you. He has risen from the grave and he did it all as a holy and perfect gift. You didn't have to earn it. He did it before you were ever born. He's good enough. And he's done enough. There's no more victory for you to win. And by the way, just so you know, that's why we will never repeat your baptism. Some of you today were baptized as little babies. Some of you were a little bit older. Some of you will be baptized today. And some of you might be a little bit jealous of those who can remember their baptism firsthand. Some of you might wish that you could be baptized again now that you really mean it. And if you're feeling that way, I want to make sure you know that Jesus is good enough. All his gifts are good enough. If you were baptized so long ago that you only remember the stories that other people have told you, then know this, God meant it back then. And he never took it back. And if you were being baptized today, then please know this, God means it today too. Baptism is like God giving us a present. And the present has always been good enough. And today is simply about being willing to accept it. The rest of your life, it'll be there. You might stick it in a closet. You might ignore it. You might lose it under your bed, but it's not going away. It will not deteriorate. It will not fall apart. It will always be there waiting for you to rediscover it. God's love is not going anywhere. God will never take it back. His gifts are good because he is good enough for all of us. And he made you a gift to this church. Which brings me to the third question. Instead of asking if you are good enough, I hope that you will ask the rest of your life, who are you, Jesus? And are you good enough? And I hope you will ask yourself, who am I? Because you are made in the image of God. There is something about God that we could never see or learn from anyone other than you. Psalm 139 says you are fearfully and wonderfully made and you didn't have to earn that. You didn't have to prove that. You are already the one that God would die to save. And if you are spending your life trying to be good enough, you will make yourself ever more desperate. You will never be satisfied. You will see Jesus and sometimes you'll be tempted to walk away thinking that you'll never be able to measure up. You'll never find an answer that's good enough. But if you'll ask these three simple questions again and again, you will find simple, solid answers you can carry with you wherever you go. Who is Jesus? Your Lord and your Savior. Is he good enough? He is. And he has done more than enough. And who are you? You are made in the image of God and you are the one he came to save. And these answers make all the difference in the world. Y'all have given some great answers our compromands have these last few weeks in your interviews with Pastor Woods and Pastor Kathy and me. I hope it's not the last time we get to hear questions from you that you ask questions. There's nothing in the world we'd rather do than talk about what God is up to in your lives, in your lives, to talk about what God has done and is doing. 
I can't think of anything better than to sit and talk with you about who you are and what God has done through you. One of you this last couple of weeks mentioned a desperate situation with some kids at school. And when I asked you, what do you think it would mean for God to save you in that situation? You gave the most marvelous answer. You said, I guess it means I would walk into school with reassurance. And you seemed uncertain when you said it, but I smiled all over. Because that's exactly what it feels like. When you know who Jesus is, and when you know he is good, and when you know who you are. That's what that young man was looking for when he came to Jesus. He was looking for some reassurance. Am I good enough? That's what Private Ryan was looking for when he asked his wife if he had earned it, if he was a good man. And it made me smile all over to hear you, all 12 years old of you, saying what it took me a lot longer to learn, that we all need assurance. And none of us can earn it. It's always a gift. You can't make yourself good enough. You can't find it by comparing yourself to anyone else. But when you know in your soul that Jesus has died for you and has forgiven you all your sins, and when you know that not even death can separate you from his love, when you know it will ring into eternity and he has opened the gates to live forever with you, when you know that, it's more than enough. So may you discover the rest of your life, God's love for each of you. And may you walk with the blessed assurance that comes only from his goodness. And when the lies of the world make you wonder if you're really good enough, may you find your salvation all over again in remembering the truest thing I know. You are a child of the living and good God. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.